Pulp MX Network production. To this day, when I hear that song, I see you standing there on that lawn. Discount shades, store bought tan, flip flops, and cut off jeans. Somewhere between that. A new view from inside the truck. X-Racer to Racer and Eye to Eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Pro Glow Wash, Works Connection, Bass Foundry, TL Speed Shop, Grandstone Boots, and Fly Racing. Welcome to the Industry Seating Podcast. My name is Jason Thomas. Of course, who else would it be? I don't ever have anybody else on this show, so it's just me. But the good news is we're going to talk about dirt bike racing, and that's pretty fun. It's hard to not have a good time talking about dirt bikes. Before we do, thank you to all of my great sponsors of this podcast. Many of them have been with me from the very beginning. The others that haven't, let's hope you're there for a long time. Pirelli Tires. Guts Racing, Plum Creek Funding, Concept Coatings Design Co., Works Connection, International Vet MX Series, Pro Glow Wash, TL Speed Shop, Grant Stone Boots, or Grant Stone Shoes now, and Fly Racing. Now, we were in Chicago, or at least I was. I'm sure some of you were. Hopefully some of you were. And it was a really interesting event because if you think about this area, right, Red Bud is a no-brainer. It's a great event. Everybody looks forward to it. It's popular. Uh, turnout's always awesome. It's one of the best tracks that we have to offer. So, yeah. Why would you think that anything could happen other than great attendance? Well, just doesn't seem like it's uh, the Chicago metro area is necessarily a hotbed for motocross. And I think that's where the, the question comes in about how it's going to go, how's turnout going to be. Um, because look at Chicagoland, right? Chicagoland is this gigantic venue it has a drag strip it has a an oval it has a tri-oval which is the nascar track but it has all these other uh facilities for mainly car racing right and different disciplines but chicagoland hasn't been used for four years and i believe that there's a reason for it um, i think they overestimated the willingness of metro chicagoans to drive to joliet because it's about an hour it's pretty far my hotel was like halfway and it was still really far, um, you know, to the, to the hotel and the track, you know, 25, 30 minutes, something like that. And then it was another half an hour or more to, uh, O'Hare airport. So it's, it's a ways out there. And if you're not a diehard fan, you're not going to make that trek. So getting casual people to visit Chicago and Speedway for anything is a big ask. And that to me is, is setting yourself up to have a really difficult dynamic. Um, certain parts of the country, it'll work, right? If you're in the South where NASCAR is a, it's a part of life, right? It's just embedded into the culture. That's a different deal. Chicago is not that. Um, I think that having a NASCAR race downtown in Chicago changes that narrative, right? Because it can be an, an urban event. Like people can stay downtown. They can watch it from rooftop, places they can watch it from their hotel room it's just a completely different thing than having nascar races an hour outside of town so that's what my concern was with having this super motocross race at chicagoland was it's the same thing it's really far 
And, and unless you are a diehard motocross fan, you are unlikely to make the trek out there. Well, thankfully, it worked out. I think people watched Charlotte and were like, man, that looks pretty cool. I want to go see that. And also, they haven't had anything going on at the Speedway in so long. People are probably wanting to go see what, what it was still like, see if it was still standing. So I don't think the turnout was anything over the top, probably 20,000, 30,000, something like that. Um, but it was respectable. There were a lot of people in the pits. Um, so, yeah, I, I think overall the event was a success. Now, I didn't have to ride the track. It was really dark. Uh, the dirt, you know, was really dark in areas too, which didn't help. And I've been in that scenario. Um, I don't see very well when there's a lot of shadows. I really struggle with that. So when Hunter Lawrence made mention of it on the podium, I was nodding uh, in agreement because I would have had a very difficult time going going speed, right? Like riding, no big deal. But going your absolute fastest and taking a lot of risk on, that is where I would have I would have struggled. Uh, so to hear those comments and to watch and you hear, I think it actually played a role in what Jet did. I think he just felt sketched out uh, because you can't, if you can't see exactly where you're going, how would you feel going, you know, 65 miles an hour in some of those straightaways or hitting the turns like at absolutely the fastest you can when you can't really see it? Like the shadows were over the rut, right? So what's inside the rut, some of the bumps, you lose depth perception. Uh, it's a, a really challenging thing when you're already pushing the limit. You know, you're, you're giving it everything you have and taking chances already. To add that is a really difficult uh, obstacle to overcome. So talking about the 250 race specifically, Hunter got it done, right? It wasn't his most dominant performance. You know, I think he kind of weighted some things out, right? You could say he got a little lucky with Joe's bike in the second moto. I, you know, either way, it's fine. Uh, he was right there to capitalize on it. It's not, you know, you can't guarantee that he wouldn't have found a way back around Joe. But yeah, sometimes you need a little luck on your side. And Hunter put himself in good positions. He got good starts. He did all the things that he did not do in Charlotte. And he gets he gets the win. So it's a lot of money, right? It's 50 grand from the track for winning the main event. I don't know how his Honda bonuses work for these events or anybody else, but he made a lot of money no matter what. So say what you want, lucky, not lucky, who cares? Checks will clear. Joe Shimoda, I mentioned him for a second, but he had a mechanical difficulty. I will not be the one to share that information because I don't think it's public. If Kawasaki put it out there or is going to put it out there, that's on them to do. But he did have an issue in that second moto. And I can understand, and Hunter also talked about it, why that would be so challenging on a track going that fast. If something goes wrong, it's going to be catastrophic because of the high speeds involved. So I'm sure Joe was panicking, right? Because you don't know what to do. You are torn between this, you know, underlying feeling of like, I have to just go for it. But also it's like, man, I don't want to hurt myself. Like he's doing so well. He's, he's in a winner take all situation going into the finale. He's won, he won, um, two out of the three last races that we've been in and could have won three in a row. And he's about to take off to go to factory Honda HRC. So that had to be somewhere in his mind is like, please don't let me get hurt. Right. Don't let the bike break here and let me get hurt. Um, so yeah, I don't envy that position at all for him. Thankfully the bike held on. Uh, he made it to the finish and he still got second overall. Uh, and, and it, Really doesn't matter. If he wins this race this weekend, he's your champion. End of story, right? Because the way it lines up, if Hayden wins, he's champ. 
if Hunter wins, he's champ. If Joe wins, he's champ. So I have a hard time thinking one of those three won't win it with the way these races have gone. Now, anything's possible. This 250 class has a lot of parity. But I feel like one of those three will step up and get the job done. If not, then the points could get really wonky. So it's, it's just something we'll have to play by ear and really stay on top of mid-race. Um, but I'm expecting one of those three to go out and win this thing. Speaking of one of those three, Hayden Deegan, I think he really kind of let a little bit get away from him here. Like, I think he went 3-3 on the night. But in the end, if you want a silver lining for him, all he has to do is go and win the race, right? Just go win the overall in L.A., and the championship's yours. So that's the way I would be looking at it, right? It's not going to do him any good to sit back and say, man, I let points get away. I was, I was winning and wasn't able to hold on to it. Who cares, right? Like it, what's done is done. It's in the past. It's not like he got smoked. He was right behind those guys. You just got to focus on this weekend, get the starts dialed because you don't know if Hunter starts are going to be there, right? They've been so hit and miss. And if you can get out and get gone like he did in Moto 1 at Charlotte, Think about how much pressure he will put on those other two guys in Moto2 if he has a you know a first place in Moto1. So that's what I would be locked into, being my best self, understanding and remembering what that pace is like and what it feels like to be out front, right? Because think about Bud's Creek. He was going to run away, in my opinion, before the red flag. Uh, and there have been other times, too, where he, he looks like he was the guy to go win these things. You know, Charlotte um he was the guy in that first moto so he's certainly capable no question about it is he capable so just something to keep in mind for for all you hayden fans out there i don't think uh i don't think he's just because he's third in points i don't think he's an underdog going into this thing at all the last 250 guy i wanted to mention was uh was tom Bial. it's tough right uh he was right in this thing really really strong opening round in charlotte and his bike got stuck in second gear. I mean, what are you going to do, right? On that track, going that fast, you have no chance, right? One of two things is going to happen. You're either going to crash, trying to do something silly in second gear, or you're going to blow your bike up. Or you're just going to go backwards because you can't go fast. I guess three things. Um, and none of those are worth a damn. So I don't really blame him for pulling off. That is not a track you could execute in second gear. Uh, Charlotte would have been difficult. Maybe possible, maybe, uh, because, you know, a lot of the, the infield sections wouldn't have been so bad. I don't know how we would have finished. It probably wouldn't have went very well, but I don't think Chicago, you could even do it, right? Like trying to race, okay? If you ride around in second gear, sure, but you're going to get last place. Well, that, that doesn't do any good. Um, so, yeah, just a, just bad timing, bad luck, at, you know, the wrong time, which would also be bad timing. So for, uh, for this week's power rankings, and I can't imagine anybody has, is listening to this for the first time. Maybe, though. Maybe. Um, we do the power rankings on this show. And what it is, it is a snapshot of not only the most timely results, but also the season, what they did in Supercross, what they did in Motocross, and what they're doing in Super Motocross. So I try to be pretty well-rounded in my take. I don't want to be victim of the moment. And I also don't want to get stuck on something that happened in March, right? I don't want to put too much emphasis on that because things change a lot. You know, this sport is constantly evolving. And uh, one of my former mentors would say it's, it's in jello, right? It's not in cement. It's in jello. And it's constantly adjusting and moving and evolving. Uh, and that's what these power rankings are as well. In number 10th place, number 10th, how about just in 10th place, 
is going to be Adam Cincerello. And that was a really tough weekend. Um, you know, if he had been running like three, four, five in the power rankings, I wouldn't make this dramatic of a move backwards, but he had been slipping anyway. He was ninth last week. And I really felt like this was his worst weekend in a while. Uh, he didn't have the speed that he had at Charlotte. He didn't have much of anything. Um, he didn't even finish in the top 10 either moto. So really tough weekend for AC. I'm sure he was incredibly frustrated. And uh, I have him in 10th going into the last round of the year. Number nine is Garrett Marchbanks. And Garrett was so damn fast in, in qualifying practice. I really thought he might have a breakout night. 10-11 uh, on the night is not as good as I expected, to be fair. Uh, but he's been really solid. He Ever since he's gotten on this 450, he's been great. He, it's really turned his career around. So congrats to uh, to him and his team. Number eight, Justin Barsha. 4-10 on the night um, is, you know, obviously indicative of the crash in the second moto, but that fourth and the first one was pretty good. So it's tough for me to have him eighth here, but everybody in front of him, I think, deserves to be in front of him. So that's just how it goes, right? You you only get what you deserve uh, in most cases. So we'll see what Barsha can bring when we go to L.A. because I think that those confines, that type of stadium will do him some good. Number six, I have Jason Anderson. No, wait, number seven, sorry. Number seven is Cooper Webb. A little bit of a foreshadowing there. Number seven is, is Cooper Webb, and we can't say, there's no way we can say this has gone well, right? It was more of the same from what we saw in Charlotte. Bad starts, didn't have the speed, battling with Phil Nicoletti, which I'm sure he wasn't thrilled about. Uh, he's just not really in the fight with the lead guys right now. Like, he's not in there in even in conversation for it. And that doesn't mean he can't figure it out or if he gets a whole shot, be there. Like we all know better than that when we're talking about Cooper Webb. He's one of the most tenacious racers I've ever seen. But so far, it hasn't gone very well. Um, so if anything, this is just motivation and fuel for 2024. But I'm sure he's disappointed and frustrated with how these two races have gone thus far. Number six is Jason Anderson, as previously mentioned. So what tricked me about Jason Anderson was he was the fastest qualifier in the second practice. And like the track was pretty rough. It was beat up. It was raining. So I'm like, oh man, these are all really tough conditions. Like that must mean he's looking good, like feeling good and ready to do something tonight. If in the toughest conditions of the weekend, he puts in his best time. Didn't seem to be the case. Um, he crashed in the first moto, but I just never really saw that same flare or flash. And maybe it was the starts. You know, that's, that's fair. Um, but I don't know. It just didn't come together. And uh, for someone who I thought this was a great opportunity for redemption after, you know, what was kind of an off year, uh, it just really hasn't been there. He hasn't been that that same guy. You know, the guy that we saw in 2022 that was winning races, won his first outdoor overall. I don't know where that guy is right now. Um, I mean, this is still a respectable version. I just don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's like the intensity. I don't know if it was having a child. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have answers. I have more questions than answers. Uh, AP is in the fifth spot, and that was a great weekend for AP. He had the fastest lap of one of the motos. I don't know if it was the first one. I think it was the first one. Um, but that's impressive, right? You look at the field. You look at what they're racing for and, and how deep it. Like, everybody's here, right? Everybody but Tomac's in there to set the fastest lap is a statement in itself. And I really think he's gaining some fire from motocross nations. I really do. Um, I think he 
got, you know, you just got a hit of adrenaline with what's what's coming there. You know, everybody's talking down about the team and calling it a B team and saying they have no chance. I think he's taking offense to that. And that's coming out in his writing. You know, I could be wrong. I could be reading too much into it, but I just see a very fiery Aaron Plessinger right now that I haven't seen at every race. Um, so I hope he can hold on to this and take it into, uh, into France in this October, because they could come in there and, and upset some people. You know, I don't think anybody's expecting anything from them. You look at it on paper and it's like, yeah, pretty good. You know, not the 2022 team that won. Um, and they, they need to take, they need to be offended. They need to go in there feeling like they're disrespected. I believe that's their best shot to do well. Number four, another French rider that won't be at Motocross of Nations, though, is Dylan Ferrandis. And he's at number four. Uh, wasn't a terrible day. Wasn't a great day. It wasn't the speed that we saw at Charlotte. Uh, but he was hanging around that, you know, top five throughout most of the night. He just didn't have the pace of those first few. And that happens, right? Those guys were absolutely ripping. Even Sexton couldn't do anything with him. And he, he made that comment in the press conference. Just like, I couldn't go fast enough. End of story. No excuses. Period. I couldn't go fast enough. So uh, I don't think that was uh, that Dylan was in bad company, not being able to go with Jet and Kenny there. Number three is Ken Roxon, and he is on his best form right now. And a motivated, disrespected Kenny is the best version of Kenny you're going to find. And I feel like he watched this summer, and he watched people like myself and others talk about how great Jet is and was. And he knew that he could go as fast as him at high point, right? So I think that has been festering for months. Is like, man, I can beat this kid. Like everybody's, all they're doing is talking about how great he is. And make no mistake, I don't back away from those comments. When you go 22-0 and in your first season, you're going to get every bit of praise I can laud upon you, right? I'm not, I'm not stepping away from those comments at all. But I think if you're Kenny, he didn't like it. And that's okay. Like use whatever motivation you can find. Like it's not going to bother me that that's where you find your motivation like what do i care bring it like i want to be entertained i want to watch the best racing from the best guys and i think that's absolutely what we got from ken roxon and he's riding the best i've seen him maybe all year you know like even you could say like detroit or in, uh, indy right where he won i think he's riding better right now i really do uh maybe maybe he's not quite as fit or any of those things i'm not sure but speed-wise and where the motorcycle is and those things, he looks the best I've seen him. I mean, look what he did to Sexton in that race. Like, he dropped him in that second moto. Number two, Chase Sexton. And I, I kind of uh, already talked about this, but he didn't have speed. Um, I like the fact that he was willing to just come out with that. He didn't try to blame the bike. He didn't try to say that he was saving it for L.A. He didn't try to say anything that would discredit the other guys. And that's what I'm all about that, whether it's racing or in life in general, when people deserve credit, give them credit, because when you deserve it, you will get it. And I just think that's a great life philosophy to go by. Uh, I think Ricky Carmichael did a great job of that late in his career. So when he got beat, he just said he got beat, right? Like there are going to be plenty of nights and days where you're the best guy or you do a good job when you don't, or when you're just not quite good enough, be man enough. And be a respectful enough competitor to just own it. Just say it and be done with it. Give them their credit and try to be better next time. And if you do that, I have every confidence in the world 
that that type of respect will be returned to you. That's just 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 what I believe. So kudos to Chase Sexton for uh, for what he did and what he said. Now Jet, um, Jet's number one, and he should be. But uh, this one was tough. The, the optics on this were really difficult. Um, I really think that he was trying to be a few things. I think he was trying to be playful with the pulling over. I think he also didn't feel comfortable with the pace that they were going. And I think he was trying to conjure up a reason to let Roxon buy. Um, I could be wrong. He could have absolutely been trying to figure out the math and thought that this would help him somehow. That's certainly possible. I just don't think that's the direction what I believe. Um, I've watched Jet race a lot, you know, not as near as much as his family or anything, of course. But he's usually comfortable with somebody being on his rear wheel. Like he doesn't, that doesn't stress him out. I've watched him do it on a 250. I've watched him do it on a 450. I've watched him do it to Chase Sexton. This is the first time where he looked uncomfortable to me with the pressure. And I think the track being so sketchy was a huge factor in that. And you could make a big mistake and do a lot of damage to yourself and your career and this championship if you made a, if you made the wrong move. And I don't think or I don't think that Jet felt that risk was worth it. And I think he was frustrated with that. And I, you could tell like the way he waved money wasn't happy. It's not like he was like laughing and joking and like, you know, made the pointer fingers at him like Shooter McGavin or something. Like I think he was angry about moving over. I think he was angry about being uncomfortable at the pace uh, because I, I saw him right when he took his helmet off and he was smiling. But I don't think. I think that was a facade. I really do. Um, and I think he tried to come up with something that would make sense so he could downplay it. And I just think he got this one wrong. I just, in the end, I just think he misplayed his hand on this one. And that's going to happen. It's okay. He's a kid. Now, Kenny and Chase, I think, are both mad. And I don't blame them, right? Kenny deserved to get credit there. He deserved for Jet to say, man, he was going really fast. At minimum, at least say, man, he was going really fast. Right. Like, don't say you gave him a gift, like a new baby gift. Like, don't do that. Right. And that's a part of being really young. That's a part of not going down these paths or being around this situation enough. And I'm not saying I would have handled it well at all. That's not the point. I just think he tried to do much with too much with the situation. And much like my comments with Chase Sexton, had he gone on the podium and said, you know what? Kenny was going really fast and the track is dark and rough. And I just, I didn't feel like pushing the envelope here was the best move. You know, I worked it out in my head that I'd still be the overall winner and it wouldn't change anything as far as the points, because we're at a two moto overall format. I just had to take the high road on this one to let Kenny go. And, and kudos to Kenny for being so damn fast, this moto. Like I, I just didn't feel like the juice was worth the squeeze to try to hold on for, for really no upside. Had he done that and given Kenny his due, I truly believe everyone would have applauded it. I think his, you know, his team, his dad, everybody would have been like, you know what? That's really mature. Like, great job. Way to think it through. You don't have to win every time you touch your motorcycle, right? Sometimes caution is the better part of valor. And just, you know, knowing when it's time to push and when it's time to lay up will get you a long way in anything, racing, life, um, wh whatever the dynamic is. 
I think it's something he'll learn. He's going to be better for this. I, I think in many ways, like maturity-wise, decision-making, how to handle the press, what to say on the podium. Um, he's going he's gonna to gain from this. It's, it's a little painful right now. I'm sure he's not happy with social media and comments, and he might not be happy with me. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's a learning moment for him, and it's going to – help him be the champion that he's going to be one day, right? The, the well-rounded, well-spoken champion he will become. Chicago will be a part of that story. So I hated it for Kenny because that's one of the best rides I've ever seen Kenny put in. And I think Kenny deserved more than that. And I think Kenny feels like he deserved more than that. But man, what a bunch of drama, right? Like what a storyline going into the finale. So as a broadcaster and a part of the media and a person that wants to be entertained, I'm here for all of it. As a fan of Jet, I, I hate it because I people are piling on, and I don't think he deserves that. He's a really good kid, and he works really hard. So I hate to see people take shots at him. There have been some posts by some pretty powerful people. On Instagram, I saw one. I was just like, I was embarrassed for that person. Um, I was appalled at what this guy was saying because it was so just out of line, in my opinion. And if you don't know who it is, it's okay. Um, I'm not going to name names, but I just, I've just seen some people taking cheap shots and showing me their true colors as a person. And I just, I'm not here for any of that. Um, I think Jet deserves better than that. And certainly Kenny and these other guys do too. Um, I just don't think Kenny, or excuse me, I don't think Jet was trying to be disrespectful. I don't think he was trying to be. I don't think he fully understood the whole situation of what he was saying and how it would be interpreted. And then he got himself into a, he kept digging the hole deeper, right? If you watch a press conference, like he kept making it worse. And man, if you're his management or someone, you know, anybody, his family, his dad, his brother, somebody just got to, hey, Jet, just let it go. Like just, you know, we don't talk about it anymore. You did what you did. You had your own reasons. It doesn't matter if what you believe is what anybody else believes. Let's just move on. We'll go settle it in LA. Uh, but he kept wanting to talk about it. And I was like, ah, this is not, I don't think you're going to gain anything, right? You're, you're not making it better here. So again, learning moment for, for Jet Lawrence. And uh, yeah, just a tough one, tough weekend. He still won the damn race, right? And so it's hard to say it, it was that tough, but um, I don't think he's really enjoying this week very much either. So that has to be said. Uh, do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, this week, Phil Nicoletti led the damn race. He was leading the second moto. That's awesome. He had a, he got a top 10 overall. Great job from Phil. It's the best I've seen him ride in a long time. Congrats. We all love Phil. And uh, that was fun to see. And then Colt Nichols had a nice bounce back ride. Really good job from, from Colt. Um, he had a horrible Ironman, not a great Charlotte, and then a really nice bounce back for, uh, for Chicago. So we'll see what he can do, do in LA. That's it for this week. Again, thank you to all the sponsors, Pirelli Tires. Uh, they have that brand new uh, Super Corsa, Diablo Super Corsa SPV4. Guts Racing, you can get uh, seat covers and seats for Saran, uh, Betas, Kawasaki's, e-bikes. They have everything, right? Custom graphics. Guts Racing does it all. Plum Creek Funding, you don't want to look at rates. Some people have to, though, right? Like, if you have to buy a house, I know some people that are. It doesn't matter what the rate is. You don't have a choice. So, what I would suggest is getting the best advice, whether you want to do a 15-year or a jumbo loan, whatever state you're in, how can you get the best rate possible? Some people are doing HELOCs. There's lots of things going on right now that people have to do. So you want to get the best advice possible, and you want to talk to Zach Morris at Plum Creek Funding to get that information. 
Concept Coding Design Co. is a Perth-based company, but they are opening up a new office in uh, the Temecula, Murrieta area. They do all sorts of anodizing, uh, laser engraving. They do bike builds. And that is where I believe, I've mentioned this a couple times, they're the newest sponsor. The bike build part is going to be the be- the most exciting to me. And if you look at what happens when riders go to California, they don't have anywhere to stay. They don't have any place to work on their stuff. Like they don't have a home base because they don't live there. This company, Concept Coatings Design Co. is going to offer that. They're going to have bays at a race shop for you to make your home base, right? You'll be able to go back there every day, wash your bike, work on your bike, rebuild it. They'll even rebuild it for you, right? If you have the money but don't have the means, they can do it for you. They'll do custom bike builds there as well. So it's going to be a great place for privateers to kind of have as a like a mecca. And I'm really excited to see how that gets built out and what that turns into. Because I know myself, I put myself in their shoes. I really struggled with that. I would go to California for three weeks a month. And I was like working out of the semi and it sucked. It, it was hard on me. It was hard on the mechanic. It was hard on everybody to have this mobile workshop that was not even a workshop because everything was put away in between weekends. So to have this base set up is going to be really, really great. So that's coming uh, this fall as well. Works Connection, uh, they have brand new chain gauge. They have those Yamaha foot peg mounts that I've been talking about for the bulk of the, the season ever since that 2023 Yamaha came out. You can save yourself some money with the promo code JT23. And they also have Pro Launch Start Device, which basically rips every hole shut all the time. Justin Cooper, Chase Sexton, Jet Lawrence, Levi Kitchen, Aiden Deegan. List goes on and on. That's why they hole shot. Well, I'll say that's why they hole shot. But the guys that get the hole shots pick Pro Launch Start Device. How about that? That's what makes the most sense to me. International VetMX Series, their last event of the year was last weekend. So I hope you made it. It was in Lewiston, Idaho. Keep an eye out for all the 2024 events. I will, of course, be bringing you news and updates from them. You can go to oldtimersmx.com to keep up with it as well. But a great group, a great series, and I'm sure they had a fantastic 2023 campaign. Pro Glow Wash is a power sports formulated wash based in Shreveport, Louisiana. Great group of people. They're all power sports enthusiasts. They race cars, they race motorcycles. Uh, yeah, they do it all. And it's a great product from great people. So that's what I would say. If you can pick a product that's better than the competition, and it's also in the motocross and all the things that you like, why would you ever spend your money anywhere else? Like that's, I just don't understand that. You know, that's what you want. That's how business should work is people doing the right things and building the right products. And they're also into the same things you are. It just doesn't get any better than that. TL Speed Shop, Jason Cobb. I'm gonna get to see him this weekend. Can't wait. Uh, They have a side-by-side and trophy truck getaway experience based in Wickenburg, Arizona. So you can fly into Phoenix. They're right up the road. They can take you to Baja. They're getting ready for the Baja 1000. Uh, they do Sedona. They can do wine tours. They can do custom Baja stuff. You know, it doesn't have to be around the 1000. It can be on your own. But they have everything you need. You just fly in and they take care of the rest, right? So for all you people who don't want to spend 50 grand on one side-by-side, guess what? They're already built. They're ready to go. They have every piece of equipment you need. They have the maps. They have everything dialed for just to fly in and do it. So check out TL Speed Shop and uh, ask for Jason down there. They can get you dialed in. Grantstone boots. I wore my Grantstone shoes last night, my sneakers. I was trying to think when the last time I wore them, but I wore my sneakers last night. And that is such a great addition to the line because it's summer still here. It's really nice out. So I don't want to wear boots when I have shorts on. Obviously, that I look like a crazy person. 
but those sneakers have really opened up a whole new side of the, uh, what's the right word here? Yeah, a whole new angle for me to uh, to wear my Grandstone. So check out grandstoneshoes.com. Last but not least, Fly Racing, we will have a brand new set of LE gear this weekend. So keep an eye on that. I can't tell you anything about it yet, but it is will be limited edition and all of our athletes will be wearing it. I actually really like it. This is one of the lines that I picked out specifically to be an LE uh, addition to the line. I do, I do have some powers around here, believe it or not. I have some pull and uh, I used a little bit to make sure this was an LE. So that's it for this week. We will talk to you after the finale. Thanks for tuning in.